And after what has been a long layoff for the show, back this week. Unfortunately, you've got to listen to me ride solo, Lewis only. Um, but as we all know, life gets crazy at times, and that's certainly been the case, work and uh, personally. But what we're going to do, jump in here. Week 11, 12, and 13 have passed us by since the last fourth finishes NFL podcast. Look at each team and where they're at after week 13. Bit of a report, teams, divisions, status, thoughts for the rest of the season coming in, moving forward, and then a preview of week 14 as we resume normal transmission, hopefully from here on out week to week, reviewing the games and talking about all the news in the great game of the NFL. But let's waste no time. We'll start in the AFC East with what's been going on in a report for all those teams. So you look at the Dolphins who lead that at 9-3, and three, wins the last few weeks, 20-13 to 13 over Vegas. Not the greatest day there. O'Connell, a couple of picks. Went over the Jets, 34-13, that weird pick six on the half. Um, and then big win this week over Washington. Defense certainly improving. That was a big thing you expect with Fangio. They're getting picks. Ramsey back in. A-chain return this week. The big question mark still remains, though, even for the first seed at 9-3, and three, is can they take a big scalp? Because so far that hasn't been the case. They've blown out. A lot of teams around them, they've uh, had some good wins. They've had a couple of close calls, but in terms of big fixtures so far, you know, uh, had some losses. So that's what's going to have to happen come playoff time. That defense has got to turn up. That high-octane offense, will it hold up in cold weather with Tua playing outdoors? Will they be able to run the football? Will they be able to defend well? But at the moment, they're in control. They're the one seed, even with uh, obviously the Ravens there but currently hold that advantage. And if things keep getting better on the defensive side of the ball, next time they have a matchup with, say, the Bills in division uh, or anyone else on the run-in, maybe we'll see something that gives us some sign of hope. But McDaniels, Tua, having a pretty good year. Tyreek Hill on track for 2,000 yards, absolutely insane. Uh, And potentially one of the first years with the way the MVP's racing out that maybe it's not a quarterback. If it was going to be a non-quarterback, this is one of those years, I think, where someone like him could certainly be in the running. But we move on in that division. The Jets, the whole Rogers show at 4-8. and eight, Talk about his return, the rapid recovery from the Achilles. That's one thing. But let's face it, said it before, said it again. You can't play him. You just can't. It's not worth the risk. What they've traded, the money they've paid, the age that he's at, the severity of that injury. And with that offensive line and only one good receiver in Wilson... Why would you risk him? And now a little bit showing up with that defense fatiguing. They're now 31st in rush defense in the league. Benching Wilson, trying a couple other guys, and then him standing there having a bit of a smirk and a laugh of Rogers this week. Uh, the wheels have certainly come off there, but moving forward, you know, currently sitting at pick seven. It's probably not a bad thing for next year's draft. 15 million in cap space, not a whole lot. But like deals like the Alan Lazard one, which was probably to appease or attract Rogers more. Deals like that, like $40 million for someone who's probably a third or fourth receiver. It's, it's just a bad contract. And through the draft, they're going to have to hit or they might have to offload one of their dime pieces in terms of their defensive status to get somebody there. But they need another receiver. There's no doubt about that. And they need to shore up that offensive line because now, next year, it doesn't matter. If he comes back, they can't run the ball and they can't protect him. It's not going to look good for the Jets, but... Uh, things have certainly slowed up the last few weeks. Big losses to the Bills and the Dolphins. 
and yeah, it's uh, it's not going the greatest. But Robert Salah and that whole situation there, do they revert back and give one more crack to Zach Wilson? I don't know. In his situation, is he really that keen to jump back into the fire? Like, obviously, you want to put yourself on show, uh, but given where they're sort of at and what's going on, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the year finishes out. But if I was them, I would be going into the tank right now and trying to secure the best pick possible. I don't think they're a shot for a Marvin Harrison-type player, but there's some good offensive linemen. There might be somebody there that they look towards or want to try and get their hands on. And it was really summed up this week with that loss to the Falcons, who could barely run the ball, but they couldn't score. So, yeah. Speaking of that, one of those losses to Bills in Division 6-6. Six and six. It's been a tough few weeks. They've had the bye, and after the bounce back with a big win and the demolition job that they did on the Jets, that overtime loss, cruel, a few weeks back to the Eagles, 37-34 in overtime. Say it once and I'll say it again. Josh Allen is the deodorant or the clone or whatever it is to this team, which is getting quite a stink about it. Um, changed the offensive coordinator. A little bit of promise there. They've shown they're going to run the football more, better design on their plays, but defensively, the injuries they've had on the line at the back end and how they've sort of tried to address it. Um, it, it just, at the moment, looks like all around they need more from everybody else. The defense isn't showing up. Yvonne Mills, well, that off-field incident reportedly, the way he's playing, the other edge rushes, the secondary, um, the second level, the linebackers, that Milano, like they're, they're looking pretty pretty average on that side of the ball, and he's just one out in it. You did talk about the picks and all the turnovers and all that you want, but when you're basically running for your life, trying to run touchdowns, throw touchdowns, like he, he's, he's touchdown to turnover difference with his legs and his arm, still far outweighs that, and I think most of it's due to the fact he doesn't get a lot of help, but... Six and six, they're still in the hunt for a wild card, but uh, it's it's hard to see at the moment when he's basically going to have to do everything. And looking at them next year, uh, in terms of pick at the moment, they'd be somewhere in mid-pack. Does something need to give with the coach? Or, you know, maybe it's time. McDermott's been there for a fair while. They've been pretty steady. They're the 13th pick in the draft right now. They don't need a quarterback. Certainly could use maybe another offensive lineman or maybe another weapon, but defensively at the moment is probably where they need to plug up some holes and make some decisions with some contracts. And Finishing out the AFC East, you've got the Pats, 2-10. and 10, The wheels have well and truly fallen off, like 10-7 and 7 loss to the Giants, 6-0 against the Chargers, the one before the bye against the Colts. Defensively, Bill Belichick and what they're doing there still holds up, and that's without Judon and their first-round pick, Gonzalez, and multiple guys. But they've only had 26 points in the last three weeks, but offensively they're awful. They need to certainly make some changes there. I think the big turning point was that loss against the Giants last week to sort of confirm maybe a bit of sneaky tanking, moving Mac onto the scout team this week, letting Zappi play, putting Cunningham up into the active roster quarterback-wise. It might be a stealth tank, but this could be the turning point in the future of the New England Patriots and a decision at the moment to land themselves outright second in the draft. The Carolina one and 11, them at 2-10 and 10, Arizona, 3-10, and 10, who probably could have won a couple more games, but they're in a real position now, losing five in a row, that they're probably best off losing and securing a top-two pick and having the opportunity to take a Kaylee Williams or a Drake May, but really, really, really need to address that side of the ball as a whole. Because why they're doing all right defensively, and there still might be a little bit of change there. Offensively, um, cap space, I think they've got the third most, $75 million. Good draft pick, but the big decision here needs to be from craft and that organisation if they're sticking with Belichick 
staff changes, less family. The offense needs to suit coordinator-wise the quarterback they're going to bring in, whether that is Drake May or Caleb Williams. But this is a prime position here after Mac and after Cam Newton and a couple other guys where clearly they need to get their hands on a top-line quarterback and they're never going to get a better opportunity. This is the setup for the future of the New England Patriots and they have to get it right. Not much else needs to be said there. But AFC West, the Chiefs, even after a couple of bad results, still in control. Eight and four, sitting in uh, at the five seed, or the four seed at the moment. But that Eagles game, to blow that lead, no second half points, stutter offensively. Kelsey hasn't quite looked the same. Pacheco's been okay in the ground game, but flashes from Watson, flashes from Rashi Rice and some of the receivers, but not quite happening there. Defense has been pretty good all year, but again, it gets hard when your offense isn't contributing. The Vegas game, you know, people got a little bit of hope out of that, but that's a team that's doesn't have a lot to play for, and you saw some flashes again from those offensive players, but then going into Green Bay this week, there was a lot of people that were keen on the Packers, and they were right. Packers get a big result, three in a row, love, starting to show some good signs, and it was another situation where you're looking at the Chiefs and going, well, you know, can this team threaten them? We've sort of been waiting, but 8-4 and four, in control of their division, need more out of other receivers. Kelsey, all the talk around him and Swift and this point in his career, and he's talked about injuries and possibly retiring after. With the wins he's had, maybe not this year, but like it could be sooner on the horizon. This might be a bit of a bit of a turning point for them and where they're at, but they need to get something going and, and figure out soon where they want to go and who they want to be. That's for certain. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a bit rough offensively. So watch that one with bated breath, but in control with that two game lead and behind them, the Broncos at six and six. The the Vikings come back, which seemed near impossible. Russell's twenty touchdowns, four turnovers, run heavy. Good growth on the defense after turning over a couple of guys there and making some changes. Peyton getting things back on track after that huge loss to the Dolphins. And, you know, then they follow into the Browns. Obviously, no Deshaun Watson out for the season, 29-12. And this week, though, a bit of a stumble with the Texans. They were 0-11 and on third downs and three picks. That one sort of was a bit of a punch in the mouth and a bit of a reset after I think it was five in a row. But at 6-6, six and six, some obvious signs of improvement. No doubt about that. I think the biggest question is just still trades and money and where they're at for next year and what he can do. Obviously made some decisions, probably got some trade pieces there still to make, but cap-wise with the money they dished out and some of the contracts, they're in the negative. So minus $20 million, there's obviously going to have to be someone traded or someone moved in. They've got decisions to make, mostly probably on the offensive side of the ball. That Russell Wilson deal is certainly not going anywhere. So Peyton showed that he's willing to work with that and sort of work with him and more the run game and work off the defense. But between that and their draft pick, um, a lot of money handed out, especially that contract, they're tight for next year. So maybe it's one of the receivers, a Sutton, a Judy, uh, or a defensive piece like a Simmons who's a bit older. You wouldn't give away a Sertan or some of your younger guys. But cap relief and situation, they're going to have to be very smart with the draft. That's for sure. Uh, but at the moment, wild card. I don't know if they'll get there. There were some good wins, obviously, in that sort of run. You know, getting ones over the Chiefs and a couple of these teams. But yeah, Texans getting the jump on them this week in a very tight game. And those three picks and no third down conversions turn up big. But there's been some positives. But I guess a lot of people are still questioning Wilson, him, and their, their long term future. But you spend that sort of dosh and you've got cap problems, generally means you've got to strip it out and find it somewhere else. So bit of work to do but 
massive turnaround from where they started the year and a huge rap must go to Sean Payton. The Chargers are uh, ever disappointing, 5-7 and seven now. The loss to Green Bay pretty much got that offense back into their mojo. The defense, Staley again, the blow up in the media, that whole press conference about you can stop asking questions about that. He can say what he wants. The amount of money they've spent on that side of the ball for no return when you're supposed to be a defensive guru, he needs to go. And everybody knows they're famously tight with money and they don't want to do what the Raiders are doing. And I know criticism comes on that side of things about firing coaches and paying ridiculous amounts of money to not have people there. But if you're feeling that you're not making progress or things aren't going the right way and you're not drafting well or not trending in the right direction, at least, I guess, Mark Davies has got... Davis, sorry, has got the balls to just make a decision to move on because he just feels like they don't want to pay out. But... You know, moved on from their last coach. They got Staley in, and in defensively, they haven't been in the top ten in any category. Basically, if you're a defensive guru and the pieces they've got, your Derwin Jameses, your Boses, paying for Mac, JC Jackson, that trade away, etc. Samuel Junior, like the draft pick side of things, what they've got on that side of the ball, you need to be doing better. And they've wasted, as we've said many times, Herbert sort of peak years. They now have to pay him. You know, Quentin Johnston, the first round pick, the highest pick of all the receivers, the least amount of yards on return. Mike Williams, big contract, injured. Eckler missed some time. Other than that, more receiver than he is a runner. Struggled in that regard, and they're really leaning on Keenan Allen, who's busted up. So, five and seven for them. They're, they're a similar deal to me when I look at them right now. Um, Pick-wise, I'd want to get a good pick, and I'd want to make a call on my future and my coach. They're currently holding the 12th pick Cap-wise, bar the Saints who are the worst, they're the second worst, minus $45 million. So there's going to have to be some decisions made on some big contracts and some trade-out. There's obviously some dead money there when you've got guys in particular uh, like a JC Jackson, big dead money hit. But they're not winning this division. Could they get a wild card? Yeah, they could if they're going to run, but I don't see the benefit. I'd be trying to get the best possible draft pick. And Vegas obviously wraps that out. Good little period there. For Antonio Pierce, good advertisement for him. Could he be the next man? Could they surround him with the right people? I don't know. But like we said before, culture, reputation, <clears throat> things that he done as a player, can that convert as a coach and can it last? Because you usually get that short-term burst, a bit of a sugar hit when somebody new comes in, but things can change after that. And uh, The Dolphins game was tough after their couple of wins in a row. That one, 2013, they come up short. O'Connell, picks being the difference. And then a lead last week against KC and Felt like they were with a good chance, but then they just come storming back over the top of them, 31-17. And again, decisions to make for them off the bye. Biggest two are coaching quarterback. They can't get off Jimmy G straight away. They're tied in for a little bit of money, but they do have some wiggle room. Got $53 million in cap space. Depending on the pick, if they're in a position for one of the guys that's going to be further along, whether it be like a Jaden Daniels, who's got some Heisman run late here, um, if that suits the direction they want to go, if they can get the right coordinators in around a piece, if they decide to make him the figure piece here or if they go on the market for a coach. But number two, two main things that need to be sorted are quarterback and coach because that's going to have a huge flow-on effect to what happens with key pieces like Devontae Adams and what the decision is there. And, you know, that's probably one of the only tradable contracts bar maybe a Renfro, but again, big money for a slot receiver. Um, but they've got a little bit of wiggle room, but they're the two big decisions they need to make right now. And if they take a dead hit on Jimmy G, you know, is O'Connell getting a bit more game time next year? Do they draft someone else again and run with that? Or can they pick up a veteran? But 
Um, the coaching situation, how this year finishes out, will be the biggest decision Mark Davis has to make after going through a few coaches. But the Ravens at 9-3, they lead the North. Beat Cincy the other week. That was the end of Joe Burrow. Sloppy sort of game against the Chargers, and then into the bye. And I guess the biggest thing for them right now is just cleaning up some performances. There's games where you feel like they're well and truly in control, and then there's just a turnover or a couple of sloppy moments, like those three close losses they've had. And at times you feel that maybe they should go on with it, and maybe blow a couple of teams out, and come playoff time, that needs to be the case. Um, but the pieces are there. Like Andrews, I know that injury's there, but likely is pretty good. Receivers are doing a better job. Lamar's been much more accurate this year. They can run the football. Keaton, the other running back, was a good one to add to that backfield. Defensively, they've been pretty solid. So they're certainly a contender and someone to be thought about. And going into next year, not a bad situation either. They've got you know, a little bit of cap space. They've got some draft picks. But at the moment, sitting up there, equal top seed in a division that you know has two teams in particular, the Steelers and the Bengals, who, are, if they were of any threat, have injury issues and quarterback problems. So... They're in the box seat here to try and go for that one seed still. And, yeah, I think it's just about them cleaning up some parts of their performance. But speaking of Pittsburgh, 7-5, and five, they fire the OC after comments coming from players like Pickens and those guys around them and frustration. Week later, big response. They start to get the running game going. First time they broke for some decent yardage. Tight loss in division to the Browns, followed by that win over Cincy. But then the loss the other night to Arizona, inclement weather delays the game, but they were awful. Pick it out for Trubisky, potentially injured, don't know how long, but you look at them again and just look like, think, how are you 7-5? and five? To be outgained in almost every game, have a mid-season change like that and be 7-5 and five just sums up the resilience of Pittsburgh, but they play through their defense. And that's been the case. Their defense makes up for a lot of shortcomings led by TJ Watt and followed by your high Smiths and getting Haywood back and the secondary's been okay. Um, you know, running game's been going, but biggest thing for them, if they feel like they've got good pieces offensively with Johnson and Pickens and Frymuth, etc., the quarterback situation needs to be improved. So it's seven and five right now, wild card. If I'm them, I know it's not in their DNA, but I would have wanted to have had a draft pick with what you're seeing with Pickett, Trubisky, etc. But 7-5, and five, it's probably not going to be the case. They've got a little bit of wiggle room. Um, I don't know if free agent quarterback can solve the issue. Like, when you look at what we said about Kirk Cousins, but some of you willing to take a risk on him off his injury for a reasonable deal. Put somebody like him in there who's proved what he can do with some weapons and move the football for the right price. Is that something they would look at in the offseason? I don't know would they want to completely change their offense and go run heavy and take a second chance risk on someone like a Justin Fields who might get moved on and use their two running backs and Najee Harris and Warren and him and change up completely like more RPO and and play action style plays and lean into their defense but yeah their their negative salary cap and they're probably a later pick like the 24th or so pick at this point in time so um feel like there's a lot of good pieces there to work with, but the quarterback situation, again, if you don't have one, you can't win. Browns, it this feels like this may be one of those seasons that you look back on and what has been a cruel run for them leading into this point with just the injuries. Like, to lose Chubb, Teller off their line, I'm pretty sure it was. Garrett Miles Ma- uh, Garrett's got some injury issues at the moment. He's fighting through. Deshaun Watson, you pay all that money to, and he's barely been on the field and hasn't contributed, and they've still found ways to win games and get to 7-5, and five, it feels like they're wildly talented, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, and 
these few big injuries and those spots could just end up crueling them in what could have been a great window. And, you know, DTR showed some good signs. PJ had to come in. Flacco on the weekend even was solid. But it just, yeah, feels like as these injuries have built up, this is just one of those years where it's not going to be kind to them and maybe a real missed opportunity with what seemed like a really talented defense. You know, to get Hunt back in forward. Imagine if they chop. Chubb leading that and Deshaun if he would have hit anywhere near his peak so mm. uh, but Flacco did a reasonable job do they stick with him this week after what you've seen um, if DTR comes back or do they get him back in play that run heavy game and he was getting a fair connection with Njoku I don't know but similar deal they're in for the wild card it's not a, a bad spot but they're another team negative in the salary cap sort of thing there's going to have to be some decisions made uh, for next year but the Deshaun one is the real crippling one you give that guaranteed money no first round pick they got three fives couple of sixes couple of sevens and a second and a third a lot of money tied up can Chubb come back the same can can you catch that feeling and then there's obviously going to be some guys on the defensive side of the ball that have played very very well that are going to get contracts so um, if you're a Browns fan it's just been frustrating to watch those injuries and the way things have panned out and the Bengals similar deal feels like everybody in this division in particular with the quarterback injuries to Pittsburgh and the Browns or their situations and then Burrow who's your driving force at 6-6 six and six, they went when he went season over he's way too important as you get more successful having to pay contracts to your, your receivers and lose some defensive players have obviously struggled a little bit on that side of the ball while they've got some quality individuals and um, once Burrow went down gone back to back division losses Overtime win this weekend, like Browning come up good. McPherson, the kicker, Chase. But for them, I'd look at this as a situation, even though they don't want to, to reset. They've got huge cap space after some of the guys have let go. You've got Burrow. You know you need to improve on the offensive line. You know, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, they've got decisions to make with that great core of receivers they've got. Do they feel they can get younger and cheaper and get someone decent in the draft and maybe let one of those guys go? to address some defensive holes. They're currently the 17th pick. Um, you know, plus, like you said, all that cap space, they're, they're in a spot here where it's decision time, whether they can retool maybe more on the offensive line and a couple of defensive spots and go with a young receiver maybe in the draft later on there and let one of those guys go that we're probably going to get a decent contract elsewhere. But 70 million in cap space and Burrow out for the season, I, I would not be trying to finish any higher. I'd be trying to secure the best draft pick possible as we wrap up the North and move on to the South, which is the only division that's really still wide open and it's certainly been thrown open now with the Jags at 8-4. and four. Win over the Titans, that close loss to the Texans last week and then an overtime loss to Cincy, not only proving critical, but now the injury to Trevor Lawrence. And don't know the severity just yet, but it didn't look good. Couldn't walk off on his own volition. Ankle, mobile guy, plant foot, how you throw the next few weeks critical for control of that and the wild card and to have that division with the Texans and the Colts who have been a real surprise pack only one back and some head-to-head division games coming up yeah it's it's a huge blow and yeah in division whether he misses a week or two whether he plays hindered whether it's major we won't know until all that comes out but that really feels like that's throwing that division wide open now for somebody to take advantage if Trevor Lawrence is not playing. Because with Bethard or anyone else coming in, it doesn't look the same. The defense was sort of on the improve. Eddie has been really good with the run game, but no Trevor Lawrence, uh, regardless of whether it's been an average sort of year for him, 
makes a big difference when the drop-off at quarterback is so large. So not sure if they can hold on, maybe a wild card, depending on what's going on around them. But yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a wait and see depending on the health and availability of Trevor Lawrence. But for the Texans, speaking of them, they lost Tank Dell for the rest of the year. That's huge. But CJ Stroud, wow, stepping up. Nico Collins, who's been very, very good. Better contributions from their run game. Um, they've just been finding ways to be competitive every week. And then defensively, like Will Anderson has been getting better, who they obviously put a hard pick on. Derek Stinley, who was rated, you know, going to be a top five pick a couple of years ago, had some injuries, had some questions about his motivation. Missed a lot of games to start the year. Now four interceptions in four weeks, turning up big. Um, and then looking over the fence at what happened with the Jags, it, it's wide open here for them to take this division, depending on what they do the next few weeks. And big win this week against the Broncos off the loss to the Jags to instantly bounce back. Heading into the back end of the year, full of confidence. They've got the 24th pick, even though they traded away their pick for Anderson from Cleveland coming to them at the moment. $72 million in cap space. You know, Tank Dell, Nico, like we said, some good pieces everywhere. Probably can improve their offensive line with some of that money. Maybe get into the draft. Just one of those later picks if they think they can get another weapon in terms of receiver. Maybe another running back down to that group. But D'Amico Ryan certainly must be happy with what he's seen and the fact that he's got still a, a first-round pick, whether it's late or not. Still got lots of cap space. He's been able to get a lot out of some of the good young players they've got there and real good building block. But I think it's theirs for the taking. And speaking of competitiveness, the Colts, you know, with Richardson going out, man, the Taylor injury and the decision to sign him, Minshew coming in, cutting Shaq, Leonard, who was their gun linebacker because they got, you know, Zaire and other guys that are stepping up the plate. They've made some hugely difficult decisions this year, but they just keep going. They've got an underrated defense. They're tough when they run the ball. That dual-headed monster, or whether it was just Moss carrying the load to start with, Pittman and these other guys turn up and Minshew, whether you like him or not. Dude's sort of infectious, and he gets the job done. He's He could be a starter at some teams. He's obviously not an elite sort of quarterback, but there's a real good feel about this team, and they, they work hard both sides of the ball. But they've fought themselves in this position, that tight win against the Patriots before the bye, then a close one against the Bucs where they jagged it, and then the wild overtime win this week where... You know, the blocked punt on then the two-point conversion return and how that all panned out was absolute insanity, but they won. And the Minshew play late. Matty Gay coming over from the Rams, the field goal kicker. He's been clutch. I think he's got the most field goals. And they're another one. They're in the position for a wild card. Good future pieces by cutting some money out there. If they keep Moss with Taylor, you've got a dual-headed backfield. Minshew is your backup. Richardson showed great potential to develop him. Get some more pieces on the defensive side of the ball, a good offensive line, and they've got $70 million in cap space. So after looking at this at the start of the year, thinking this could be an absolute wreck, congrats to the coach Steichen um, and some of the decisions they've made there. They, they look like they're in a pretty good spot, playoffs or not a wild card or not, just cap-wise, that if they make some good decisions, they could be really competitive for what is a wide-open South. But wrapping up that AFC sort of wrap after the last few weeks and where teams are at future-wise now and moving forward, Dolphins currently the one seed, Ravens two seed, Jags third seed, KC four seed, Steelers five, Browns six, and Colts seven at the seven and five, as are Pittsburgh at the six at seven and five, and just outside looking in, the Texans on seven and five, and then you've got the Bills, Broncos, and Cincy here are other chances at six and six, but I'm not liking Cincy's chance without Burrow. I think it's the Texans 
looking to fight their way into either a wild card or the division. Uh, the Broncos, similar deal. I'm not 100% sure. Depends on the draw they've got left. And then you've got the Bills. If anyone's going to come in, I'd say it's Texans and Bills. And maybe if the Browns' injuries bite a little bit more crueler or the Lawrence thing becomes too big a gap or the Colts, like they're sort of the three that I think that's open. But division-wise, that is the only division that's open. And they're taking up all the wildcard spots as well because it's so tight is the South. The Dolphins are three clear in the East. The Ravens two clear in the North. Um, and KC are obviously too clear in the West. So I think those divisions are all closed, but wild cards wide open. But the South, three teams in the playoffs at the moment, two in wild cards, Texans sitting there. Absolute insanity. But that's the AFC. Jumping over to the other side of the fence, NFC. Let's start with the Cardinals and the NFC West and three and ten. Um, after a real positive start, we know they traded Dobbs. Looks like Murray will be on board for their future plans. Three and ten, that win over Pittsburgh, and he's had some good signs early. You know, looks like that's the way they're going to go. Good cultures coming under Gannon. Like the move for Ertz to go to give him a chance to compete. Good on him. Um, you know, McBride steps in nicely there. They found some good players on the defensive side of the ball. Currently got the third pick in the draft and the 18th pick from the trade, so two first rounders. They've probably got a couple of contracts they could move, like a Buddha if he wants to get paid, Buddha Baker. Um, they've done pretty good with some offensive line picks, like Paris Johnson, and they're in a spot where if they don't want a quarterback, they can get a generational potential receiver in Marvin Harrison Jr. So um, despite the results recently with the losses to the Texans and the Rams and flattening out a bit and then the win this week against Pittsburgh, similar deal. Uh, like what they've been about, like some of the change in attitude, but I'd want to stay in those top three spots where right now they're outright third pick. I don't want to get caught in that cluster of teams that are four and five wins and blurry the lines. I'd want to stay top three because I think there's a no-brainer that Chicago and New England both take quarterbacks. And if they do that, Marvin Harrison's right there. If you like Murray, you got him, you got McBride. If they like Marquise and a few of the guys they've got, Rondell Moore, um, and have like a true number one to mix in, they go find a running back and use that cat with some improvements on defense. You know, you're, you're in a good situation. And two firsts, so they could go offensive line again or get a defensive player and a receiver. Puts them in a really good spot with that cap space also of 56 million and a few tradable contracts. But yeah, I think uh, Arizona in their best interest there to head that direction. Rams 6 and 6. Things are sort of looking down, but probably showing this is, again, McVay's best coaching job considering the situation. Stafford, when he's been healthy, is great. Nakua, what a fine he's been at receiver. Kyra Williams, the last month or so, back at running back, has been awesome. When they got that balance, they hold possession and they're able to hold court. I mean, they look really good. And I know cap-wise, again, they're sort of coming into a window where it's a little bit better. They've got the 16th pick next year, $46 million, a couple of contracts like your Donalds or your Cups if they want to move off and reshape a little bit. Uh, but yeah, a lot of young guys they've drafted and asked to play big minutes have contributed. And they've been tough both sides of the ball, but the big question, yeah, is those long-term contracts and the size of and the health of your Cups, your Staffords, and Aaron Donald's motivation and the amount of money. And if they really want to reshape, there's some tradable pieces there. But at 6-6, six and six, like I said, with the injuries and the sort of ride they've had, I think McVay's done a hell of a job. So... Good stint by the Rams. Beat the Seahawks by one. Big win over Arizona. And then a big win this week over the Browns. And yeah, it's, it's been a roller coaster, but 
Mick Vakum, he's certainly happy with what he's done. And speaking of one of those teams, the Seahawks, six and six, it's been a roller coaster, particular defensively hot and cold. Geno hasn't been the greatest year, had a better week this week. And then to lose Kenneth Walker, huge impact on them and their running game. And two divisional losses, the 17-6 loss to the Rams, 31-13 to the 49ers. Bit of a hammer blow when they were tied up for the top of the division and now fighting for a wild card. And then to play the Cowboys in that shootout with zero punts, every drive resulted in a field goal or a touchdown. DK goes off. Geno has a big night. Not great in terms of the run, but 41-35, they end up losing. Um, three losses in a row really hurts. Cap space, $2 million. They're a bit top-heavy there. They're young on defense. There's a couple older guys there, and obviously the trade for Williams as well to bulk things up, but taking on that contract. I think their decision, similar deal. They're about a mid-round pick at the moment, maybe around the 15, 16 mark is where they want to be. If they're going to compete, is it going to be with Geno Smith moving forward, or can they find their way out of that and get some cap space? And Again, depending on how they want to run their offense, they could look... Similarly to a Penix, Michael Penix, who's a bit in the mould of, like, say, a Russell Wilson, or if Jaden Jaden Daniels again, late here, Heisman sort of contender, mobile, showing a lot more promise with the way he likes to play with his arm, might be the third or the fourth one, might be in their sort of range. If they look to go another direction, um, yeah, you got Metcalf, you've got Lockett, you've got some weapons on that side of the ball, you've got Kenneth Walker for your run game. Maybe the Geno thing's just not the way to go, but. They've got some decisions to make. Hot and cold on the defense, but they are young. At 6-6, six and six, they're in for a wild card race at the moment. The 49ers well and truly in control as we move on at 9-3. and three. Beat the Bucks 27-14. 31-13 over the Seahawks. And then this week, the statement game now back fully healthy. 42-19 over the Philly. And announcing themselves as the NFC team to beat. Purdy prove that he contribute in a big game. Devo Samuel, after his comments and saying Bradbury was trash and anything else that's previously been there and saying he doesn't regret his comments, good on him. He was about his business. Three touchdowns, 100-plus yards, contributing the run in the past, the development of Ayuk, to be able to have Debo tandem up in the running game, the way they use Mitchell, McCaffrey's a dual threat weapon, Kittle coming back into his own. Like They are dangerous. Both sides of the ball run pass, they're multiple, they're smart, they're creative and, and Purdy's deadly when he gets his his passing game right and his timing and his vision can't be understated but yeah, defensively been better as well, we know they lost Tufunga, Young hasn't had a huge impact but again, just the ability to trade a third for an extra pass rusher when you've already got good spoils on that side um, the moment with Big Dom and the whole sideline, obviously fans disagree on that depending on what side of the fence you're on only my opinion, I'm obviously not over there and I'm not a fan of either franchise, but the guy's security for the team. Um, he doesn't need to save the players from other players. It was a tackle that was made right on the sideline. He initiated the contact. Like He's there to stop crowd and other people interacting, not to get in a player's face. So The reaction from Dre back to him, was it great? No, but the tackle literally just happens on the sideline. He shouldn't be breaking that up. So The fact they both got thrown out, I don't know if I agree with that. I think he was more guilty than the, the player. But state and win... Well and truly in control, three clear in their division, and a real chance for a late swoop in terms of the one seed, depending on their draw, and I'll get to that later when we look at some futures. But, yeah, they're in win mode now, like we said, traded those picks. They've got a cheap quarterback, got Chase Young in, going to have some decisions to make next year with their salary cap and still got a first rounder. But with the way they've loaded up with defense at the start of the year, 
signing Bosa, keeping those offensive weapons and having a quarterback of basically on less than a million dollars when the top paid guys are 40 million plus. The time is now for the 49ers. It needs to happen. It really does need to happen. But on to the north, the Lions, three clear and in control, nine and three. Last few weeks have been patchy. Like the Bears' comeback was a near miracle. Two scores to, to steal that one. Shouldn't have happened, but they did it. The Green Bay lost the picks and defensively been a bit shady after being good for about a month. And then the Saints game, they were 21 points up in three drives. I, I find it hard to take a lot out of the last three weeks other than they need to be more consistent. Real good signs on offense, as we know, like when they're running the ball and that balance between Gibbs, Montgomery, and taking pressure off Goff to having to come up with plays, letting him play through the middle of the intermediate to Laporta, who's been excellent, Omen Ra, um, and, and Jamison Williams warming up nicely is a good weapon. But yeah, defensively, they've been a little bit hot and cold. They've got the division wrapped up. They're going to be playing playoffs, but it's just more that consistency come playoff time. Can they win? And you know, it, it, this year's certainly not the end of it. They move into next year with fifty-seven million in cap space. They've got a first-round pick. They've got other picks they can add. Um, but it feels like they need to take advantage of the situation now, in particular on the NFC side of the draw. Um, and then moving forward next year. But yeah, the last few weeks. Particularly defensively, it's been a bit of an issue and they, they definitely need to be more consistent, but there's still a lot to like about the Lions. The Vikings at 6-6 six and six had a real good period there where they rolled the Dobbs coming in and having a couple of wins, but then a little bit's been thrown into the mix here now. Off the bye, um, off the back of the Bears and the, Bron- uh, the Broncos result with that blown sort of lead. The four picks against the Bears in the game where they scored no touchdowns and a loss. Heading into the bye, there's some questions now for O'Connell, the coach, whether they go back to Jaron Hall and give him a look and have a look at him because Dobbs is probably not your long-term. Uh, he's a great fill-in. He's a great team person. He's done a really good job, especially with his legs. But, yeah, do they have a look at Jaron Hall um, to see if that makes things clear about what they do with Kirk? Again, being three behind, do they fight for the wild card or do they sort of try to shut things down a little bit here and secure the best possible pick? They go into next year, probably about 20th pick, 21st pick now. 38 million or so in cap space. Big decision to make on Cousins. You've already got Hawkinson, Osborne, Addison, Jefferson all locked up. So you've got offensive weapons. It's, it's more now about what you do quarterback-wise and what system you sort of want to run. Um, but, yeah, it's that sort of resurgence has put them in a spot now where maybe they could have been up there for one of the top quarterbacks and it would have been a great destination. But now mid-pack, again, unless they're looking at a panics or a Daniels, if they were to fall back there and they'd like one of those guys, unless Hall turns out to be good. The real decision here is it's Kirk or take a risk in free agency on a used veteran or a draft pick. So interesting to see how they come out of the buy and who is the quarterback of the Vikings. But they were good nuisance value, but those last two losses critical. If they would have won those two, I would have said keep pushing forward um, at eight and four. But at six and six, it's a different story now. Six and six for the Packers. It was all bad. Even I was off love. Lafleur questions. Jones not healthy. Barely able to run the ball. Defensive side of the ball, they were really strong. Was patchy, but they've sparked up suddenly. I don't know if it was the chat. What sort of brought it all together? The playbooks opened up. Love has looked outstanding. Multiple touchdown games. High completions. Risk it to get the biscuit type throws. Um, the young receivers, Watson... Reed Dobbs coming to the fore, Musgrave before his injury. Dylan's been carrying the load. Line's been better defensively, been better. You're Rashawn Gary's these kind of guys, and a couple of big scalps in a row. 
close one over the Chargers, but the, the Lions result big. And then KC this week, again, Love comes up big and there's life there. And then feeling a lot better about that quarterback situation, the decision they made with the contract. Um, and that, that probably gives them a little more hope because moving into next year, they've got the extra second round pick from the Rogers set up, but cap space-wise, they're still top-heavy with some of the deals they've got. They're the second youngest offense or youngest offense by average. Almost all the receivers are first or second year players along with Love, who's essentially a first year starter. Um, and with a lack of cap space, the extra picks come in handy. And if he keeps playing this way to close out and Jones gets healthy and you move into next year with good young receiving core, add one really good veteran to go along with a dual headed running back set up and maybe a revamped offensive line, uh, you know, could be things straight back on track in Green Bay but they're obviously feeling a lot better about Jordan Love after the last three weeks so we'll see how the season finishes out uh, and in the wild card hunting the Bears at 4-8 and eight, I don't understand why similar to the again they're trying to win per se but it feels like there's some okay players there they've certainly got the first pick from Carolina which I think would take a miracle for them to lose that now to the Patriots um, and their own pick is obviously going further backwards as a result of them winning at four and eight, they're in that cluster now, sitting at five. But they're in with those teams that are five and seven, four and eight. They could vary anywhere from the fourth to the twelfth pick. But for them, I think it's time for a new quarterback. Fields have showed promise at times, but you know, if they like May or they like a Caleb Williams at number one, get that guy. Now that they're at five, I would have tried to go as low as possible, like I said, to try and get Harrison and a quarterback. But if they're at five, they can either trade that pick if someone's keen to come up try and get multiple picks or extra picks, whether it be an extra second or two first or a future first. Um, they've got cap space as well. They've got, you know, like Johnson in the secondary. I know they didn't get a deal done, but now they've got him, Sweat, some guys on the line, Mooney, DJ Moore's turned out to be a good pick. If they get things right here, they could have a solid core, and they've got good running backs. Like Foreman, when he's healthy, he's been good. Herbert showed some touches. Johnson, the rookie, showed some good quality. So... Um, there's the building of some good pieces, but critical for them. Finishing position, correct decisions about where they spend their money, that's $63 million, and then their draft picks. If they were the two top three picks, like the first and maybe the second or the third, but at the moment, first and fifth pick, um, quarterback priority. I think Fields will get a second life somewhere else, particularly with maybe like a guy like Arthur Smith and their three-headed running back monster, maybe some RPOs, play-action shotgun stuff, and have him run out of the backfield. I don't know. But somebody who's creative and wants to play that sort of style. But I think at the Bears, that experiment is over. And they round out that division. The South, always awkward, always open. It, it's it's exactly that. And the real question for the NFC South at the moment is who wants to win? Atlanta will start with it 6-6, six and six, currently in control. Ritter, back to Heineke, back to Ritter. Not running Bijan, running Algier, running Bijan, things looking better, struggling to run the ball, struggling to move the ball, defensively ugly for a few weeks, but then tighten back up. But now leaning into the running game again, that three-headed monster, Bijan getting more touches in the run and the receiving game. Ritter's back in, and he reckons he's going to start for the rest of the year. Running that three-headed monster with Patterson back healthy and Algier, that's your bread and butter. Three-headed monster running game, try to pound teams out. Try to defend where you can, and um, the New Orleans win, good one in division. The Jets one was ugly this week at 13-8, but they're in control for the time being. I still think, again, for me, they're another one that I look at and go, I want to be getting a quarterback. I'd rather move on from the situation they've currently got. 
I'd want to open things up. Um, but six and six and in control of your division, it's a, it's a bit hard to do that. And cap space next year, $36 million. Not paying either of the quarterbacks, could get cheap labour. If Smith likes somebody, unless, like I said again, on the market for someone like a Fields, if he gets moved on and thinks that maybe he could incorporate that into the run-heavy game they've got and style of offense, but at the moment they're the 19th pick in the draft. Uh, they've invested a lot into their line and running backs and key positions, Pitts, Drake, London, etc. So lots of weapons, but they need to get quarterback right. It's blatantly obvious. The Bucks at 5-7. and seven. I still look at them as a sneaky one. The loss to the 49ers hurts, but probably no surprise. They had zero run game there. They struggled. The Colts' loss was huge. That 30-27, um, that really was the other way around where their run game was actually effective. But their defensive front, which has been a strong point, leaked. And it leaked again this week, even though they managed to get the win 21-18. Um, and Baker comes up with a late touchdown pass there. And Evans has been really good. But that front is wearing down. Uh, they've got some decisions to make, as we know, with guys like Devin White, Levante David, big money, but $47 million. Currently the 10th pick, the division's open, but if not, you know, there's probably a couple of big names there they could trade for out some space to Shaq Barrett's get younger. On that side of the ball, if they feel they don't like a quarterback, I don't think it's a bad idea, even if you plug Baker in for another year and say pay him 10, 15 million, better than paying 40 or 30 and paying multiple year deals and put yourself in a position to transition that roster over. Like Evans, I know he wanted a big extension, and I, I think they should try to come up with something, but nothing too long-term. He's been a good player. Godwin's had some injuries. You know, running back certainly needs to be addressed in the line, but um, it, it's a case of which way do you want to go for the Bucks? Do you want to move off some of those big contracts, make more space and really regenerate, or do you feel you can push on with some of those defensive players, maybe keep Baker for another year and, and get something in the draft, or if not draft, a quarterback? But I think this division's there to be had if they want it. Um, that one with the Colts sort of hurt. Not so much the 49ers, but the win this week was important. They get Carolina again. They got another game in division, I'm pretty sure, against Atlanta. So their destiny's in their own hands. And speaking of, at five and seven, equal with them, the Saints, the wheels, to me, it's coming off. That car deal as the year's gone on hasn't looked any better. I don't know why they just don't go to Jameis and let the, the, the reins off the offense. I know receivers have been hurt, like Shahid, Thomas, etc. So the weapons have been lacking. Like Taysom Hill's probably been the most effective, just playing out of the backfield where he run passes. Um, but yeah, they're, they're booing Carr. That decision now, where that's pressure on Allen and him. And, and situation cap-wise was already bad. It's got worse year on year, but they are the worst cap situation in the NFL. They are negative $87 million. So there is no doubt they need. there's going to be moves there in the off-season to have to free up cap space. So that's why, again, paying and getting someone like Carr in the situation they did last year, he didn't have a whole lot of options, but I don't think they needed to pay him the way they did. And they're sort of tied into that now. But big deals like your Kamaras, your Lattimore's, even Taysom, like I know he did end up being their quarterback with the deal he's tied into, he's still pretty good money for the role he plays. Um, yeah. There's some big deals there, and there's some guys that are probably going to be hard to move, but yeah, this is a situation where, for them, I think you're better off going into the tank, trying to trade off a few pieces and sort of reset. They've been putting off for years and reinvesting and pushing it further down the road, but I think it's time to pay the piper, and something's got to give, and it's not going to happen with Carr. If he's injured this week and they want to go for the division, Jameis has to play. I love tasting with some of the run-pass option stuff, but... I think it's time to release the shackles. Even if you've only got Lava, get Hill playing some of the tight end double options if you want and get him involved in there with Kamara in the run game. But 
put Jameis in, and if you're trying to win the division, just let the ball fly. This safe offense is not working. It's open. It's there for the taking if they want it. But if not, head the other direction. In Carolina, not what needs to be said. Rock bottom at 1-11. You fire Reich at six coaches, whether interim or full-time, since Tep has come in. The talk that they liked CJ Stroud is in McCown and Reich, and they ended up with Bryce Young, um, whether that's the case or not. Different story, but, you know, took control of the plays, offensive play caller. Play caller was in control, then he took back over again, fired, things not moving forward. And you trade away that the picks that they did to move up for Young, thinking that you're going to be better and good enough not to have a high pick this year, but they're the worst team and the number one pick again. And what they gave up to get to the number one pick to get him and what they've got around him, given what they've now given away in cap space of, say, $40 million, they've got awful weapons. Steelings your best one, and he's old. Defensively, a player here or there like a Burns, and the line hasn't held up as good as it has. They've got that many needs, a little bit of cap space, and their draft capital is not great. So this is very tough situation for Young and whoever the next coach is. But all I know is the next guy can't just be a play caller offensively or a play caller defensively. This is a situation where they need to get somebody in, and I don't know who. Can they pay a harbour to come out of college or something like that to build a whole team and a culture? This can't be a quick fix anymore. And I'm a little bit worried if I'm a Carolina fan about where they're at and this whole situation. But leaving the South, the last division, the East, Philly at 10-2, and two, uh, the close win and the comeback win against KC, big by Hertz. The Bills, Elliott field goal, huge to get to overtime, and then Hertz comes up with a play again after they only come up with a field goal. But this week, huge reality check against the 49ers, getting jacked. A uh, bit of revenge does make up for losing the NFC Championship, but a bit of a reality check and probably shows those holes. They, they had zero rushing game. They really relied on Hurts who had to come up most of the offense. Defensively, the line is good, but when they're on the field and they have to play a lot of plays, the back end, their second and third level, like their linebacking core is awful. Bayard's okay on the back, but again, that wasn't enough to address their secondary. Big holes in both those spots. Big holes. And talk now that Shaq Leonard's coming. Um, and potentially Ertz for the tight end spot. They're both needed, if that's the case. I was taught the Cowboys were after Shaq Leonard as well to help their linebacking core, but Bayard, Shaq, they're going to need to try and do more for their linebacking in their secondary because that line played too many plays, could stop a nosebleed, got absolutely burned on the back end, and huge plays constantly by the 49ers who just had a field day. So if that's NFC sort of potential matchup you're looking at again, or Dallas, who almost got him a few weeks ago, um, a little bit of worry there, but... Hurt certainly not the reason why, again, was pretty good this week. Come up big in those other two games, but a little bit to work on there for Philly and maybe more concerned more than anything with the lack of rushing game and the back end of their defense. And they're obviously all in. When you trade for Bayard, when you sign Shaq, the sort of money they've spent, like you have to be all in. But Dallas sitting right behind them, 9-3. and three. Dak didn't see this coming. Have my own thoughts and opinions on that contract and the situation, but have leaned in. To the passing game, he's been outstanding. I think he's right up there in terms of MVP. People talking about a big scalp, maybe not, but they've beaten who they've had to beat and they've won well. Defensively, they've been good despite a couple of injuries. But yeah, 33-10, Carolina, 45-10, Washington, 41-35 in that shootout with the Hawks. Winning games, and you know, Deron Bland now get the pick record and the pick six return record. Funny to watch Seattle go after him and burn him the way they did in the first half, but ends up coming with a big pick at the end, but a little bit of video there for people to take away. 334 pass yards conceded a worry. 
Um, but similar deal, like the way they've spent where they're at, they're all in. Their cap next year is minus thirteen million dollars. They've got their first, second, and third. Not much after that, and currently they'd be the twenty seventh pick. But the form of CD, um, you know, Pollard not trying to rely on him as the main back, trying to mix up their backfield. Dak actually moving around now as a passer, using his legs, which has opened up stuff in the passing game. Ferguson being more of a weapon. Cooks ended up being pretty good addition. I'm still not confident they can beat the 49ers, but on their day right now, they matched up okay with Philly. If they had to go into San Fran now, I don't know, but I'd certainly look at those three right now and say they're the top with the 49ers sitting on top of that pile. Um, yeah, the other two teams, quick close out. The Giants, 4-8. and eight. Oh, I don't know what they're trying to do. Winning games with DeVito, who's at least shown some resilience and it's been a bit of a good story and a bit of a good laugh, but... I just think they're in cap jail. They're in the pick five to eight range right now in the draft. You know, the decisions they made, they're going to have to make particularly about whether they want to pay a guy like Saquon Barkley, which is hard to pay running backs, and he's been okay this year, but he's also been injured again. 36 million cap space. You can't move on from Daniel Jones. You're locked in there. Opportunity here to potentially get a quarterback on the cheap and relieve that and kind of do the counter. Um, trading for Darren Waller, big money, injury prone, paying a lot of guys on the defensive line and then shedding Williams but still having big deals there. Sterling Shepherds and some of the other contracts they did that probably didn't need to do. It's an awkward spot for them and Dayball. Um, but right now, I'd be trying to get myself in a spot to be able to make a good selection. They've got a first, two seconds, third, fourth. Um... Yeah, that 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 game against New England just seems definitive though. To get them to four and eight rather than be three and ten, and currently sitting at the third or fourth pick, they're now in that cluster again where it's open, where they could go anywhere from say four to twelve. And I don't know why you'd want to, given your cap situation and a few bad decisions, but that's where they're at. And then Washington, and I repeat like a broken record what I've said all year. Ron's gone, new ownership. I think they're just riding things out here. Will it be enemy? I don't know. But they have the most cap space of anyone in the league. $85 million. They moved on from Young because they weren't going to pay him. Traded Sweat picks up an extra pick even though they weren't going to pay him. They've got a first, which is decent. Two seconds, two thirds. They're going to be able to get in and get some good players depending on the coach and what direction they want to go. But again, it's all about who you bring in. First, seconds, thirds. Cap space some good receivers in my opinion McLaurin Dotson B, uh, Rob Brian Robinson's a pretty good running back so there's some weapons there How I don't know I've, I've liked bits and pieces I've seen I know it's been messy the last few weeks but the guy's running for his life and he's the most sacked quarterback in the league to go along with the cap space and the picks they're another one that you sort of look at and go get it if you get in a hardball from University, or they get out there and think they can get the right person and build it with someone right in the front office and spend this money correctly and reshape this team. That This could be a real positive turnaround in the next year or two. But who's the future coach? Who's doing the drafting? And will they get it right? Fourth pick at the moment. Could be in line for another quarterback, but if they like Howell and think what he's done, given the circumstances, in particular running for his life on the offensive line, shore that up couple of good receivers um, could really address things they've got a good interior D-line they obviously traded their edge rushes but some decisions to be made there and 
for a coach, it's appealing, depending on the situation by the new ownership group, new stadium potentially coming, cap space picks, about where they want to go. But I think that's an intriguing job and a situation to look at as we close out for the NFC. But looking at the seedings there, Philly, the one seed after 13 weeks at 10-2, and two, the 49ers, two seed at 9-3, and three, the Lions, the three seed at 9-3, and three, Falcons six and six at four. Then you've got the five seater wild card, the Cowboys at nine and three. Then Vikings and Green Bay at six and seven, both from the north at six and six. The east and the north both open, obviously. Oh, sorry, where am I about the north is open? The north's not open. The Lions have closed that out. They're three clear. Um, the south clearly open. The Falcons there at six and six. Bucks and New Orleans only one win out from a wild card anyway, let alone their own division. And, you know, the East technically is open with Philly and Dallas. They've got another head-to-head to come. But either way, whether a wild card or that, I think Philly, from a health perspective, would love to have that week off currently holding on there. But the other divisions are decided. Lions have won the North. They're three clear. 49ers, they've won their division. They're three clear in the West. So looking at the wild cards, the only guys within reach, Rams at 6-6, six and six, Seattle at 6-6, six and six, Bucks 5-6, five and six, New Orleans 5-6, and six. so they're in for the division and the wild card, but I sort of get the feeling that Green Bay might be coming right and hold on. The Vikings and the Falcons are the two I'm looking at with a bit of worry. I think the Bucks could steal that spot, if not the wild card spot off the Vikings, and the Rams, the way they're playing, um, them or the Seahawks might jag a spot there, but the Vikings... And Atlanta are the two sort of on the wobble right now. Uh, that sort of gets us through. Bit of review of where the teams are at after 13 weeks rather than going back over the last three rounds and all those games head-to-head after you've seen all that action. And looking at the week to come, New England head-to-head. We had the Pittsburgh Steelers to kick things off. It's an interesting one. That's for sure. And it's at Pittsburgh so New England at Pittsburgh again given where they're at what they're doing I don't see why they'd want to win defensively they could certainly give trouble to a Steelers team that's struggling to score points but you, you don't want to win this game if you're New England they're $3.42 I'd be going with the Steelers at $1.32 but I think offensively and what they're doing right now it's almost a stealth tank despite the fact their defense has only given up 26 points the last three so going with the Steelers there at $1.32 Rams-Baltimore, certainly interesting with the form the Rams are showing. They won't go away. They'll try to run the football, get possession, control things, look for Nakua, Cup, etc., move the ball through Stafford, and they've done well. But the Ravens, certainly good on the ground. We'll test them out in that regard. Need to keep winning to fight for the one seed, so I think it's more important them, and it's at Baltimore. So I'll go them at $1.29. Panthers-Saints, best chance the Panthers are going to get to win um, is it Jameis? Is it Taysom who starts with the injuries? Are any of those receivers going to be back from injury? I don't know. But similar deal. Saints are still in contention. Carolina's not. There's no motivation for Carolina to do any better other than to not have the number one pick. But they're going to have to win a couple of games, not just to even up with the Patriots, but get past that to try and make that pick higher than the one for the Bears. But I don't see things improving. They're $2.80 outsiders. The Saints are $1.44. Low confidence, but in contention, so must win for them. Colts-Bengals is interesting. Colts, great nuisance value. It's at Cincinnati. Browning had a really good game last week. Mixon was good on the ground. The defense made some plays. Jamar, obviously, always a big factor, but I don't know. I, I sort of got a feeling a little bit about the Colts here. 
Um, still up for their division. I know the Bengals are in for a wild card, and they're in for a wild card as well, the Colts, but they've been good nuisance value. Last week was a tough one. The Bengals were good at home. Uh, they'll probably be good at home again here, but I'll, I'll take the Colts, and they're slightly favoured at $1.86. Jags, Browns, this is reflected straight away here. I don't know if it's Flacco or DTR, but Jags, $2.44 outside. is going to Cleveland. I'm assuming that basically means there's not a lot of hope for Trevor Lawrence. Haven't looked or heard anything about his injury so far. But those odds and being on the road against a good defense um, could start a bit of a trend here um, in terms of that ankle and where they're heading for the rest of the season. So I'll go with the Browns at $1.56 despite some injury concerns around them. Lions-Bears, closer margin than what you think, but the Bears coming off the back of a, a break and good win. Lions off another good result. Up and down the last few weeks. We're lucky to get away with this one last time. Need to get it done here. And going to Chicago is not easy. But if they're a serious playoff team, you win this game. So I'm on the Lions at $1.57. Bucks, Atlanta. Atlanta lean into that three-headed monster in the running backs. Bijan, Algier, Corderell tighten up on D. Tampa D front needs to turn up. It's in Atlanta. It's in a dome. Good for Baker. Good for their receivers. They need to get some going on the ground. It's been way too inconsistent this year, but they need to be much better defensively because I think Baker's certainly done his job. I'll go them. It's a must win. If the Falcons win here and the Saints end up losing, they go too clear and take control. If the Bucks win, Saints lose, or the Saints win, Bucks win, Falcons lose, we'll have a three-way tie for the lead of the South, and that's a situation I'm hoping for. Just for a bit of excitement, so I'll go the Bucks, $2.10 outsiders. Houston against the Jets. I think the wheels have well and truly fallen off. It's at New York. Don't know who the quarterback's going to be, but they can't score points. They can't run the football. Texans are young, but promise both sides. Good test for CJ Stroud against this defense, but I'll take them at $1.40. Seahawks uh, coming in on the Monday slate off the back of that shootout. Big week for them for the wild card, but not a good opponent to be coming up against. 49ers, who dusted them a few weeks ago. It's at San Fran. They're awesome at home. Zero confidence in Seattle. $1.17 San Fran. Uh, 10.5 the line. Like, I don't know if I'm confident about the points, but I'm definitely not tipping Seahawks. I'll go with the 49ers. Vikings off the bye up against Vegas. Big game for Minnesota in terms of where they want to go for the Vegas, I think. Just for pride, decision about your coach and decision about a couple of players. Who's the quarterback? Is it O'Connell? Again, I don't know. Is it Jaron Hall or Dobbs on the other side? They're $1.59. The Vikings, even though they're traveling, I'll go with them. But not a lot of confidence. Broncos off a loss. Outsiders in division against the Chargers, who are $1.64, 227 for the Broncos. Not confident on either of these teams. They're low risk with the way they play. They're leaning their defense, leaning the run game of Javonta Williams with the Chargers, hot and cold. I think the coach should have already been sacked. Point to prove in division if they want to get a win here. But again, five and seven, where they're going, what you're going to be doing next year. Top heavy contracts. It's at LA. That's no home advantage. I have zero confidence. Wouldn't surprise me if Denver won as the outsiders. I'll go to the Chargers, but two twenty-seven if you like the value there. Buffalo KC, huge week for both. Chiefs, I don't think you're going to lose control of their division, but. For Buffalo, it's must-win in terms of wild card and any chance for playoffs. And it's at Kansas City, so it's it's never going to be more difficult for Josh Allen and the Bills, but his teammates need to turn up, particularly the defense and the run game. 
because he certainly played his part. They're two twenty-three outsiders. Chiefs are dollar sixty-six. Massive game. One I'm really looking forward to. I'm not confident they can win in KC, so I'd go that way. But I don't know what it is. So I just get a feeling again if, if Josh Allen can put that cape on and carry things. Just just needs something. A play by the defense. Big run. Anything to help out, but big in the context of the AFC wildcard and the seeding, with the Chiefs now falling out of that equal first spot. Philly-Dallas, another huge divisional game. Those two are probably the two games of the week. Philly off the back of that big statement loss. Dallas full of confidence. Should have probably got them last time at the back end, but didn't. Rolling into this one full of confidence off the back of the Eagles getting stomped, and it's in Dallas. They're a $1.55 favourite. Philly at $2.46. Can they respond? Dallas is never going to have a better time, but beware the Wounded Eagle. Um, $2.46. A lot on Hurts. They certainly gashed him offensively, just like the 49ers did last time, but they obviously did a fair job on their defense. Uh, Philly and, and scored enough points. So big week for a response. And the top of the division and the one seed's on the line here. If Philly win, they'll go too clear probably wrap up that division and put some space and put themselves in a spot to probably close out the division with the fixtures they've got less left over from the 49ers and that chase for the one seed of the NFC but Dallas wins and they go even it opens up the one seed for the 49ers and to close things out Tennessee Dolphins Tennessee they've well and truly packed things up um you know, $7 outsiders here going into Miami, scoring big points against teams they should. And the teams that are under them, this is one of those situations, and I think it's going to happen again. And then you've got the Packers against the Giants. Giants are going nowhere. Season's over. Best off trying to get the lowest pick possible. DeVito probably playing quarterback. Love, three in a row, confident. Eight or nine touchdowns, playing some good ball. Packers all the way uh, in that one, and out of all those reviews, I knew I missed somebody, and it was Tennessee when I was doing those divisions. So to wrap them up, four and eight, it's a reset. Levis has been okay. They don't have the greatest weapons. Him and D-Hop have been okay, but similar deal uh, in terms of a reset at four and eight. Get your best sort of draft pick you possibly can. They're currently the eighth pick. Traded out Woods, traded out Bayard, a little bit of dead money on some other guys. Decision to make on Derrick Henry. Tannehill will be moved on. They've got some really good defensive players already contracted and they've got 85 million in cap space. So I think they've got full confidence in Vrabel. Reshape your roster. Take advantage of the situation, having a good coach and know that he overachieved with you know what he does defensively and having Tannehill there, who wasn't the greatest. But big call to come on uh, Derek Henry in particular. But that finishes us up bar a couple of betting lines and some things to look at and uh, update there. A couple of people got on with me with Burrow before his injury, which was a devastating blow, but looking at some updates in terms of rookie of the year and NFL MVP and this, that and the other, the odds have certainly changed and the top group now in terms of favouritism has tightened up and MVP like Dak and Purdy and Hertz $4, $4, four dollars four dollars four fifty. Mahomes at 7 Lamar at nine fifty. Tour at 9.50, my sneaky, and again, first time, given the sort of the way the year's played out and could be 2,000-plus yards and touchdowns, is Tyreek Hill at $14. I wouldn't go crazy on it. I like McCaffrey in a similar early in the year, but after the couple of losses and 
whatnot, I think if it's going to be a non-quarterback any time this year, Tyreek at $14 would be a chance. People have mentioned Tua. I think just because of your position and not playing as well against the biggest scallops, I couldn't give it to him. Lamar at 950, a chance. Mahomes at seven, I don't know now, but out of that top three group, Purdy, Dascot, uh, Dak Prescott, Hurts, it's a very, very open one, but I just, just more the odds. I couldn't take any of those three confidently right now. Purdy and Prescott, if they run the slate or Hurts, which with their games here, I think Philly minimum go four and five. I think Purdy and Sanford minimum go four and five. I don't know about the Cowboys draw. I'd have to look, but yeah, I, I think White may be one of those. If there's value, I think the only value is the non-quarterback in Hill. But yeah, depends if you want to risk it to get the biscuit. The other one I didn't mind. I think defensive player of the year, not really worth a look unless you want to take a roughie again. Parsons and Garrett are two dollars and three dollars. Watt four ten. Deron Bland most pick sixes ever. Twelve fifty. But the sneaky with the sacks and the damage he's been doing at Jacksonville. If he finishes strong with. Uh, sack game and gets himself on top of that pile. Josh Allen at $16. Again, not a huge bet. Sneaky 10, but quietly having a very, very good year. Tyreek Hill's the favorite for offensive player of the year. Always an on-quarterback at $1.45. McCaffrey, $2.60 and $15 CD land behind. He'd need a huge finish, but I think Hill more than likely has that wrapped up. And the other one of value to throw out there is coach the year. This is all context. Dan Campbell's the favourite at 305 for what he's done with the Lions. D'Amico Ryan's 360 again, depending on his finish. McDaniel at 675, I think again needs big scalps and Steichen with the Colts at 775. But Shanahan at $19. I know he gets a lot of raps and accolades and it probably won't go there, but their finish. Seattle, Arizona, the Ravens, Washington, and the Rams. Rams is tough in division. Ravens is tough, but Washington, Arizona, Seahawks, I think they can spank. If they clear that run and go 5-0 and and get the one seed somehow off Philly, I don't know how you don't consider him for coach of the year, even if, unless the Dolphins are the one seed, but without a big scalp, I find it hard. Or D'Amico wins his division, etc. and they want to go that way. But if there's any chance of him at $19 again, I'd happily put a 5 or a 10-bucker on that without any worry. So there you go. There's my few... Little dabbles on some of those futures awards. You know, things can change very, very quickly, but just thought there's a slight value there for, for maybe a, a five or a ten dollar note on those few positions. So up to you. But a little bit of value and a little bit of interest in terms of uh, the NFL and what you're watching the next few weeks. But there you go. It's been an interesting few weeks, like we said. Apologies for the delay in broadcast and me being solo again. Hopefully back to normal transmission as of next week, week to week, with me and Brock here on the 4th and Inches. But you're caught up now. Status update on all 32 NFL teams, their futures, and where they're at after 13 weeks. A preview of week 14 and a little bit of a sneaky look at some betting value. But for now, have a great week. Enjoy your NFL, and we'll be back next week on the fourth and inches.